this morning, I mentioned the importance of continuity of our practice. The continuity is what allows the momentum of mindfulness to grow. And initially we need to put in some effort to support this continuity of mindfulness. But as the analogy I gave of the scooter the other day where initially you have to kick to get the scooter going, but then you can ride the scooter for a while. The continuity, the momentum of continuity grows and as it grows we can back off on the conscious effort for continuity. The continuity of mindfulness is what results in the stability of mind to stay in the present moment, to not be pulled into past or future. The stability of mind is what allows us to see clearly. So this continuity of mindfulness is the um, ground out of which our wisdom can grow. on one retreat with Saira Utejaniya. He said, uh, yogis are asking me, what am I supposed to be doing? Because the practice is so simple. And so he came up with this idea of three yogi jobs. They are cultivate right view, Practice awareness, be aware of the present moment, and practice continuity. Be aware continuously. Cultivate that possibility of being aware continuously. Now, we have to, of course, recognize that uh, we're not going to be perfect at continuity. And so it will be a process where we have some spurts or moments of continuity. And then we have moments where we're lost in thought. And then mindfulness comes back. We work again. And so uh, practicing mindfulness continuously is a direction rather than something we can say, oh, I'm going to do that. We, we probably won't be able to just flip a switch and say, okay, now I'm going to be mindful continuously. But what I'd like to explore today are some supports for continuity. Things that may help you to um, move in that direction. The first and probably our uh, most common way to support a continuity of mindfulness is to make effort. In this practice, we've talked about this, the reminding ourselves to be aware. 
It's gentle persistence, a light touch of effort, not a heavy uh, doubling down, I'm going to do this, but just enough, just enough mindfulness to be here for this moment and getting familiar with those little bursts of continuity that we have and not getting in the way of those. In the analogy of the scooter again, I pointed out that if the scooter is going, if you put your foot down while the scooter is going, you're actually impeding the progress. And so as we get familiar with what it feels like for the mindfulness to uh, be be present for a while, just a kind of a, a little burst of, oh, I'm here, I know what it's like to be here in this moment. If we're in that space and we're reminded, oh, am I aware? Am I aware? Am I aware? It's, we're, we're getting in the way of the awareness. The other, um, one of the other benefits of the continuity of mindfulness, the stability of mind, is that it, as the mindfulness gets more continuous and we need to make less effort for that, the power of that mindfulness, what it can see, what it can reveal and help us to understand gets much stronger. Because the actual efforting is a pretty active force in the mind, a pretty gross activity of the mind, and it will while we're making effort to be mindful, we can see certain things, but there are certain things that we can't see because the very act of trying to be mindful of the doing of it, of the making effort, obscures some of the subtler things that we can see. And so as the continuity uh, strengthens, as the momentum of mindfulness strengthens, we can make less effort and thereby see more. And so the, uh, the effort that we make is a light touch. And as we practice, as we um, spend our days here, it's natural that there will be a strengthening of the continuity. And it's natural actually also that we won't need to work so hard. Playing that edge of not working so hard can be um, a little counterintuitive. But I encourage you from time to time to back off a little bit. I talked about this last night, backing off of the level of effort. How little effort do I need to actually be here? Playing with that, playing with backing off of the effort and seeing, you know, if I, if I stop asking myself that question, am I still aware? Backing off of the effort might um, come as a, a lessening of the frequency that you remind yourself to be aware. That might be one way that that happens. We don't remind, am I aware of what? We, we remind ourselves less, for instance. Or maybe, as one person mentioned in the interview yesterday, um, dropping the of what question that aware, just reminding, oh, aware is enough. And in that 
aware, there is already the knowing of what is there. So not needing to ask that second question. Checking in and seeing what's appropriate for you at a given time. It may be rather than asking the question aware, it may be that reminder this morning that I mentioned, oh, already aware. Just a recognition that awareness is already here rather than a, a kind of a prompting, oh, be aware, be aware. It's, oh, awareness is already here. There's no, nothing that needs to happen. That's more of a supporting the recognition of the awareness that's already here. So again, a kind of a, a little bit less effort to do that. We might uh, at some point drop the questions altogether and maybe it, it just becomes more of a cock of the head. Am I aware? Without saying the words. Or it becomes just a kind of an orientation or a so that there's less, again, less effort in the process. So paradoxically, I find, as the continuity begins to be cultivated, backing off on effort is a support for strengthening continuity, to play with that. A second powerful support for continuity is uh, curiosity, interest. When you're interested in experience, it's a natural motivation to be present. So the if you're not if you're not curious about uh, experience, sometimes dropping a question into the mind can bring up some curiosity. What, what's here? What else is here? Just some simple questions. But if there is curiosity about experience, it's like a natural energy is provided to our system. So it supports our interest in being aware. The curiosity, we can play with this curiosity um, rather than, again, having a kind of a brute force, I'm going to stay aware, be aware, be aware, be aware, to be interested instead in where the mindfulness starts to get wobbly, again, with the scooter analogy, where do we start to lose awareness? When we lose awareness, we've missed something. 
There's something that we haven't noticed. And rather than trying to say, I'm going to make myself be present, get curious about what we've missed. The, the familiarity with the experience of being aware that we're cultivating here, as we get familiar, more familiar with that, we can begin to get familiar with the sense of our um, mindfulness getting a little wobbly and then get a little interested What's happening there? And so I'd like to spend some time exploring this uh, being interested in where we lose awareness. There's so many different ways that we lose awareness. And if we have the idea that, you know, somehow those are problems, we may have some frustration about those times, but if we can turn it around and say, oh, those places I'm losing awareness, there's something, something that's being missed and it, what, can I, what can I learn? How might I be able to see that? How might I be able to, to witness how the mind gets lost? So if we can get curious about where we lose awareness It's not um, a judgment about the mind. It's more the acknowledgement or the recognition that of course we lose awareness. Of course there are things that we miss. Remember that essentially our minds are not really under our control. So this uh, getting lost is a natural piece of that. It's not self. We intend to be present and lo and behold, the mind wanders. Who did that? Did we like say, okay, I'm going to check out now. Sometimes we do, but mostly the mind just wanders. <coughs> and equally, the mindfulness returns at some point. Again, who did that? And so this process of the mindfulness disappearing and reappearing is really worthwhile watching. We can learn about our minds by being interested in that, interested in that. So we might lose awareness while doing specific activities. So it's really helpful to begin to see the patterns of where we lose awareness. As you go through your day, rather than having some idea of, okay, I'm supposed to try to stay mindful continuously, see if you can be curious about what the activities, the things that you do, what the states of mind are, in which awareness gets lost. And as we begin to get familiar with where awareness gets lost, usually in retrospect we notice this, 
then we can be interested as we go into one of those times or one of those states, it's like, oh, this is one of those times or places that awareness tends to get lost. Let me see, it's a curiosity. Can I be curious about how that happens? So we might lose awareness in specific activities. So check as you go through the, your day, are there specific places in the dining hall, going through the lunch line, washing your dishes, going to your room, Going to your room is a great one. Oh, close that door, check out, mm, don't need to be mindful now. So watch and see if there's any particular activities that you engage in where you tend to lose mindfulness. Going to the bathroom. Your yogi job. So when we notice that we tend to lose mindfulness in an activity, again, not to try to brute force it. Okay, I'm going to my room, so I'm going to stay mindful. But just relax, receive. See if you can add a little curiosity. I'm going to my room. I know I lose mindfulness in my room. Let's see if I can notice what hooks the mind. It is actually possible to notice that. We've been exploring the following the attention practice, that, you know, the attention moves to something and we try to follow what the attention is paying attention to rather than choosing, okay, I'm going to pay attention to this and this and this. It's that um, following the attention, something has caught the attention when you go into your room. It might be something in your own mind. It might be that sense of, phew, don't need to be mindful anymore. It might be um, your stuff. You start thinking about your stuff. So just, you know, as you're, as you're heading there, rather than having the idea of trying to brute force stay present as you move into your room, be curious about what little piece of experience is like sending the mind out of mindfulness, following the awareness. Again, that familiarity with when awareness begins to get wobbly can help us here. Joseph had a um, example about this for himself. He noticed that whenever he went into the dining hall, he would lose awareness. And so as he explored that, he recognized he lost awareness because he was looking at people and thinking about what he was seeing. And he kind of missed that he was seeing as he walked into the dining room. And you know, we can do this. We can have this idea, okay, lifting, moving, placing, paying attention to something in particular. And you walk into the dining room and you've got an agenda to pay attention to something in particular. And 
uh, our mind has another idea entirely. It's like, oh, things to see. Let's look around. And because we have a different agenda, we don't catch that. So again, in this practice, we are attempting to learn to follow that attention. And so Joseph pointed out that what, when he discovered that, so he, he, he paid attention and noticed that, oh, I'm getting lost through the eye door when I go into the dining room. So he decided when he went into the dining room to uh, just be really attentive to seeing. Seeing is what's happening. Let's not have an agenda to pay attention to something else. So notice that. So seeing if you can discover what the mind is picking up on. We don't have to change it. We just have to kind of break into or let our our minds uh, land with what the attention is naturally interested in. We also might lose awareness in either unpleasant or pleasant states of uh, body, pain or really pleasant experiences that give us uh, delightful states in the body. It's easy to get lost in body sensations. Just uh, the mindfulness, we, we get lost in um, not only in, in the, the pain, but also in the stories about the pain. With, with pain, we tend to um, have an experience of moving towards the pain, and then our minds react to that, and we have strategies. Essentially, sometimes the mind getting lost when there's a painful experience is that there's some strategy the mind has about dealing with pain. Some familiar the fantasy is, a, is one that often happens. We... We uh, have experience of pain and the mind just goes, okay, let's check out, let's go into a fantasy. Again, the point is not to force yourself to stay present, but being curious about what happens in these situations. At one point with pain, I was exploring this, um, noticing that my mind had strategies where it would tend to get lost when I was in pain. Uh, my mind would just wander off into some pleasant fantasy. And at some point in recognizing that, I noticed that when the mind was in the fantasy, it had uh, let go of all of the worry and flurry around the pain. And uh, so it was, it was not so intense, actually. So watching what the mind was doing around pain, I recognized, wow, it just, it just occurred to me, I'd, I'd heard teachers say this, but it was an actual recognition. It's like, wow, the mind doesn't actually have to be involved in the pain. And the mind has ways to not be involved with the pain, but typically those ways of not being involved in the pain involve not being mindful. And so with that, I began being curious. It's like, okay, the mind can have the experience of pain and not be stuck to it and not be all wrought up about it. Let's see if it's possible to do that with mindfulness. And so one way to explore that is to begin to be curious. Can I be aware of the state the mind goes into 
whatever strategy it is that you use, you know, fantasy or whatever. Typically, that kind of state is a non-mindful state, but we've been talking about the possibility of being able to be mindful in any state. And so, okay, the mind is in a fantasy. What is that experience? Not trying to stop the fantasy and come back to the pain for some reason, but, okay, what is this experience? Oh, the mind is floating or separated. Okay, that's the experience. So being aware of that state, you begin to learn something about how the mind does not have to be all tied up and reactive while the pain is happening because you are aware. And then over time what I see you know, with that kind of exploration is that the mind, um, you know, often with pain, the mind just kind of goes to it like a magnet because it's, um, it, when we're aware of the pain, it's like a magnet is drawing our attention to the pain. And um, um, that can be out of reactivity. And if we are paying attention to the pain and reactive, it's reinforcing the reactivity. And so we need to learn the possibility of letting the pain be there without the, uh, uh, the aversion to it. The strategies that our mind uses to kind of get lost when we're in pain can give us a clue about how that might be possible. At least that's been my experience when I explored those strategies, explored but what my mind did to check out from pain, tried to be mindful of that. I began to learn how to not uh, lose mindfulness when pain was present. And so again, being curious about where we lose awareness. We also can lose awareness in very pleasant states of body and mind uh, when, when concentration begins to settle and our body has a very pleasant, this is both a mental pleasant experience and a physical pleasant experience, um, can get lost in either one. There can be a tendency to just kind of the, the attention just hooks onto that pleasantness and just drifts out of the present moment into pleasantness. So we lose awareness in that pleasantness, not particularly thinking thoughts about it, or, um, but it's just kind of a, a, a loss of mindfulness around a state, around pleasantness of, of rapture or delight or ease or... Re- or relaxation, we can just kind of get drift into that. It's like, you know, what sometimes Joseph calls this a more or less mindful space, or maybe more or less than more mindful. It's the mind kind of sittings can go very fast. And so again, you don't have to stop the state, but be curious about. How, is, how might it be possible to actually be aware of that pleasant mind state, that pleasant experience? We also may have some habitual states of mind in which we tend to get lost. 
Each of us may have our own favorite ones. Boredom, depression, planning. So the, again, the, the curiosity here is just to recognize, begin to get, become aware of what are the habitual states in which you tend to lose awareness. Over, over the course of a day, you might just check it out, you know. And a good way to, to notice this is when you return, when mindfulness returns, whatever mind state is there might be a clue as to what was happening when you got lost. And so you might uh, come back and uh, wake up into boredom or um, a feeling of uh, depression or maybe the mind is planning. And so you, you may begin to get a sense that you know, you're waking up into a state. There's probably or possibly, it's, it's also possible that we, we get lost in one place and then the mind does a little wander through the garden path and, you know, wakes up someplace completely different. And there's not uh, a direct connection between where we woke up and how we got lost. But the more we um, cultivate the continuity of mindfulness, the more our gaps are much more, you know, a few moments. It's like, we drift out and then come back. And so in that, in that experience, what we come back into is often much more approximate approximation of what it was that we missed or where we got lost. And so we wake up and notice, oh, boredom. When we can uh, know the states of mind that we tend to get lost in, when they arise, again, get curious. Oh, this is a state of mind I tend to lose awareness in. Let's see if we can see how that happens. Again, not brute forcing it to say, okay, I'm going to be aware of this. You know, okay, aware, 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 aware. Let curiosity be the uh, juice So, okay, boredom. I know I tend to get lost in boredom. Let's see what happens. See if I can catch the thing that the attention follows that takes me out. So essentially, um, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. It w it's worth repeating. Whenever the mindfulness gets lost, whenever we've lost awareness, we have not recognized some shift of attention. We've missed something. There's something that happened in the mind that was below our conscious awareness. A brute forcing of effort is going to, uh, to try to say, okay, I'm going to stay aware, stay aware, stay aware. 
as I said earlier, that will obscure these, you know, subtler things that are happening in the mind. And so hopefully uh, a sense of curiosity may be able to reveal that, reveal what it is that we tend to miss in those times. And as I've said a number of times uh, about when states get overwhelming, um, that is a time when we tend to go uh, to lose awareness. If, if, uh, if, a, if a mind state is getting overwhelming, taking us down the rabbit hole, we're getting lost in it, um, we may just simply need to use our strategies at that point rather than trying to see how the mindfulness gets lost because what may happen as we explore that is that we simply go down the rabbit hole over and over again. So not so helpful to do that. So there, there needs to be some balance of wisdom with this investigation of when we get lost. If you're getting lost into a major whirlpool, I'm not sure I'd try this exploration of, oh, where do I get lost? It's like you're likely to just tip over the edge into the, into the rabbit hole again. We also might lose awareness as our mindfulness gets stronger. This one is uh, a little paradoxical. So there's different reasons why this might happen. So mindfulness gets more continuous, there's strengthening of mindfulness, and suddenly we're noticing, wait a minute, it's like, it feels like the mind is all over the place and it was so stable yesterday and this morning it's like it's all over the place. What's going on? So again, rather than doubling down, it's useful to see if there can be curiosity. What's happening? One of the reasons this can happen, I'll give you a couple of things I've seen. One of the reasons this can happen is that there's something that we a uh, pattern of our practice common for all of us that as the mindfulness strengthens um, you know we go through what Michelle McDonald calls cycles of purity and purification and this is uh, times when the mindfulness is very strong and really easy to be present and it's almost like uh, because of that ease and peace and balance of mind and the mind settled and available to be here, it's like some parts of our system are going, oh, finally, there's some room for me to express myself. That, that deeply repressed frustration that hasn't had a chance to come to the surface. It explodes. And so this is just part of the cycle. We do the best we can with that explosion of a, 
of a hindrance or of a reactive pattern. Get curious about it. If we are uh, bemoaning the loss of the state we were in before, that's going to uh, add fuel to the fire of that reactivity. So again, can it just be, oh, this is here now. This, whatever this is, remember, this is equally a valid place to cultivate mindfulness. Just as valid as peace and ease. In fact, sometimes it's easier to be present with reactivity than it is to be present with peace and ease. (laughs) With peace and ease, we can just kind of drift out into a more or less mindful and sometimes with uh, uh, the arising of a familiar pattern and the suffering that comes with that, whew, awareness can be right there. So that's one of the reasons why the mind can get less stable or less present even as the concentration is developing this purity purification cycle. Another reason why this happens is uh, as the mindfulness gets more continuous, the mindfulness and the interest of the mind itself not the interest of, of the sense of self, not the interest of what we have an idea to be interested in, but the, as the mindfulness gets more continuous and the wisdom gets stronger, um, the mind and wisdom get more interested in subtler experience, the mind gets more interested in things we n- may not be familiar with, that we've never experienced before. And so our agendas, you know, we carry agendas, very subtle agendas in our minds sometimes about what we are paying attention to. Oh yeah, this is the kind of thing that, that this is what it means to be mindful. This is what it means for mindfulness to be clear and steady. I'm noticing all of the sense experience very clearly. And then the mindfulness gets more clear and lo and behold, the mindfulness and wisdom are more interested in something subtle happening in the mind and not at all interested in sense experience. Just as an example, this is not what it would always be, but, uh, and if we have this subtle agenda, ah, this is what mindfulness is like, we may miss that. Again, mindfulness getting lost is missing something. So we may miss that the attention has naturally gravitated to a different kind of experience. And maybe even a kind of experience that we cannot give a name to. We've never experienced it before. We don't know how to talk about it or it's just, it's, and because of that partly, because we can't give it a name, it's harder to land with. So the 
curiosity, when mindfulness gets stronger and you start to see that mindfulness is slipping out. So for me, this happened at one point. I was doing practice with the breath at this point. Um, But I noticed, you know, the breath had gotten very stable. I'd been very easy to be present with the breath. And um, one morning in the early morning sitting, suddenly my mind's all over the place. Now, it wasn't that there was a reactive pattern. It was just that the mind was just drifting off into like random silly thoughts. So no particular reactivity. If I had decided at that point to say, I'm going to stay present, you know, again, that activity of trying to do the awareness is a grosser activity of mind that's not able to, it's, it's like it's, it's going to obscure what the mindfulness and wisdom are interested in looking at. So what I, I explored there is like, okay, you know, what's happening? You know, where is the mindfulness? How is the mindfulness getting lost? What's going on? And so I noticed that um, within a breath or two, the mind, I, I would be there for an in-breath and uh, on the out-breath, the mindfulness would go. And as I started being more interested in what was going on, I recognized that as the breath went out, the sensations got so subtle that I couldn't even feel them anymore. And that was where the mind would slip out. When the sensations got so subtle, it's like I was trying to pay attention to sensations at a certain level. And when those disappeared, the mindfulness didn't know what to do. And it just started thinking. I, I, I practiced with this for a long time at that retreat and, you know, didn't ever quite, I, 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 did, I did realize that there wasn't much I could do about it and I just kept working. But at one point I was practicing with Saito Upandita and I was, had this experience happen and he said to me, because I, I said, um, oh, I can't remember what I told him I was doing with it, but he said, you know, you don't have to do anything. You just notice that there's subtle experience or that you can't touch that experience. It's like, oh, I can just know. I can just know that there's not sensation. My, I, I had this idea somehow that mindfulness had to know, know the sensation. And he said, no, you can just know that you don't know sensation. That was like a mind-blowing revelation. And when I began playing with that, it's like, oh, subtle sensation, no sensation. I'm aware and no sensation. Oh, and mindfulness didn't get lost at that point. So again, curiosity about how mindfulness gets lost rather than in that kind of situation curiosity doesn't seem to have as much um, uh, obstructiveness as effort does. The curiosity seems to allow the mindfulness to just be more uh, attentive to what, what is it that the awareness is doing? 
What is it looking at? Attention will always be turning to something. And as the mindfulness gets more continuous, as there's a a strengthening of mindfulness, more and more often, what that attention turns to will be unfamiliar. And we have to begin to uh, get comfortable with not having clarity about what the mind knows. So something along the lines of what Upandita recommended to me can be helpful. It's like aware, no idea, no idea what awareness is aware of, but I'm aware. And as we uh, stay there, hang out in those places, the mind begins to be able to uh, recognize those states. Sometimes it's because we, uh, we stumble into those states over and over again. It's like, oh, this is that state. You know, we don't even have to have a name for it, but oh, this is that state. the other day, this I'll just mention briefly because I talked about this the other day, that the mind can go into states where awareness habitually gets lost, but it's not necessary to get lost. Sleepiness, low energy, dullness, those kinds of states, habitually the mind can get lost in those states. And frequently the idea that I can't be mindful in those states is the very thing that's the problem or that's in the way of being mindful just that belief that it's not possible to be mindful. So curiosity, it is possible to be mindful in low energy, dull, sleepy, spaced out states. This kind of experience actually, I mentioned the other day that I had so much learning happening by exploring low energy states over the course of a couple of years. And what I would say about that is that uh, these kinds of states are vague, they're diffuse. It's not a precise experience. It's not something you can point to and say, oh, that, that is... uh, low energy, or that is dullness. It's much more like a, a wash of experience. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a fog on a mirror that just obscures the ability to see in the mirror. And I've used this mirror fog analogy before, so I'll I'll just restate this or repeat this um, idea. You know, a mirror's job is to reflect. And uh, when we're standing in front of the mirror, if there's steam on the mirror, we may have an opinion about uh, needing to clear that mirror so that we can see ourselves because that's the job we want the mirror to do. We want it to reflect us wanted to be able to see ourselves. 
But the mirror is kind of indifferent about what it's reflecting, and it's doing its job perfectly. It is perfectly doing the job of reflecting every drop of water on that mirror. And in our, in our mindfulness with the diffuse states like this, often what happens is that we have some idea of what we'd like to be paying attention to or how we'd like the mindfulness to be. We'd like it to be clear or sharp or precise. But what's happening is that there's this mist of dullness or mist of low energy. And so trying to see clearly is kind of running counter to what's actually happening in the mind. But awareness doesn't care what it reflects. Awareness can perfectly reflect this mist of low energy. But we are often unfamiliar with what it means to be aware of a vague state like that. And so we're trying to find something to land on, something precise. So in this exploration over a couple of years, one of the things I got very familiar with is being attentive or knowing what it's like to pay attention to something that is diffuse and not precise. Got used to paying attention to things the mind was not familiar with. It's, it's really helpful to get comfortable being uh, present for the unfamiliar, things we, we don't know. Because freedom the absence of greed, the absence of aversion, the absence of delusion a moment of freedom is not something we have any idea what it will be. And so if we are always trying to look for things that we are already familiar with, we will miss freedom. So the practice of exploring these unfamiliar states, these diffuse states, I think supports us in being curious about something we cannot know in advance. So again, an encouragement to be curious rather than trying to brute force a exploration of where the mindfulness gets lost. This will support the continuity. 
supports the learning. Because so much stuff happens in there that we're not going to be at all uh, prepared for. And so being willing to be curious about, you know, what is what is showing up rather than some agenda or idea about what should be showing up. The last piece or last uh, uh, encouragement or support for continuity is that we um, begin to actually recognize how valuable the practice is. That we see that the benefits, the benefits of being aware. We recognize the drawbacks of being caught by our reactivity and what is created when we are not aware. And we see the drawbacks of that. And we begin to experience little shifts of ease as mindfulness can hold something. And we see the shift in our mind from a defilement uh, being an attitude in the mind of something's happening and boy, I hate this. The shift from that being kind of driving our whole way of looking at the world, the filter on the world, to being something we're, that's included in our field of awareness. That shift from being in the observing mind to being observed. That can create a sense of understanding viscerally in the moment the value of this practice because that shift can somehow create a little bit of a space of like, oh, right, this is just this pain and this frustration about the pain. That's all that's happening right now. Whereas before, when the frustration was in the back of our mind, we were sitting here trying to figure out how to pay attention and what what we were supposed to do. And, oh my gosh, it's going to be cancer and I'm not going to be able to walk again. The the frustration in our minds is fueling more uh, defilement. But when it's seen, it's, oh, this is frustration. It's no longer functioning as a defilement. It's just another object. So we begin to really recognize the value of that. We see the value of the uh, long-term results of our practice. So many of you have mentioned this in the meetings of, of how, uh, you know, coming back to this retreat, seeing wow, the the things that I bothered me a few years ago, they're just not here right now. This is the value of practice. Recognize it. Appreciate it. It's essentially kind of, sometimes the value of practice points itself out to us because we recognize the non-arising of reactivity. That's more of an understanding sometimes than a direct experience. We miss the non-arising of things because it's not arising. 
But we can notice, we can become aware that things are different now. And highlighting that for ourselves, recognizing, oh yeah, that pattern is not present anymore. That helps us to connect with the value of practice. It kind of cements or uh, helps support the sense of confidence that this practice leads in, in a wholesome direction, leads in a direction of less and less suffering. Sometimes I think it's said that the Dalai Lama says, you know, you shouldn't try to evaluate your practice even over a year, you know, but looking back over five years or ten years, you can begin to really see shifts in your practice, in your your life, you can see shifts in your life. In my own experience, the kind of fluctuations of ability to be present and seeing reactivity, there's a lot of up and down in that. But over time, there's much more of a sense of this gradual wearing away, a gradual weakening. We may not see a big explosive like uh, a big bang insight that suddenly everything is good after that. But we can recognize how slowly the wearing away of those patterns is happening, arising less frequently, less sticky, easier to wake up to, easier to not act on. We feel them and recognize, oh yeah, I'll just keep my mouth shut now. Recognize this. Appreciate the value of the practice. So supporting continuity, light touch of effort, even letting go of effort sometimes. See what happens. Curiosity, especially about where awareness gets lost and appreciating the value of the practice. Let's sit for a moment. <laughs> 